All right. How'd they do, everyone? How'd your, your chief do? Yeah? Let's give him, give him a round of applause. Good job, chief. Good job. Hey, if you felt a little pressure, uh, don't worry about it. There's grace. The parts of the story you didn't get right, there's grace. Jesus still loves you, and we're all still learning and growing in the story, right? That's good news there. So uh, keep practicing that. Keep rehearsing it. Keep telling yourself that story. Keep telling it to other people. Uh, ask the people around you to share it. Ask your kids, if you have kids with you, share that story with you. I guarantee you, they understand it way more than we give them credit for. And so they're, they're sitting here and they're listening as well. Uh, by the way, uh, Kevin mentioned this to me. I'm sure you guys already know, you already got it, but there's the kids' sheets over there to grab. And you get, as Kevin said, cheesy prizes for filling them out and turning them in. So I love cheesy prizes. And my one son was like, cheesy prizes? Like he's picturing like mac and cheese or something like that. Uh, I don't think that's what he meant, but they're probably really cool prizes and also really cheesy. So thanks for letting me join with you guys. Thanks for uh, welcoming my family to join with you guys today. Thank you, Kevin, for not making me wear a mask while I was up here. But I promise I'll put it back on before I go back out into the seats. Super thankful to be here. I don't think Missio Tempe has ever asked me to go and preach there. And this is like, oh, I have the three, four times here? Three, third time here? This is the third time here. I think I started to say this is the third time here. Uh, and so I'm sure Missio Tempe is awesome too, but I just got to say, I think you guys are way cooler because I get to know you better. So thank you for that. I do get to pastor at Missio de Phoenix. We uh, have gone through a lot of transitions and we were in Peoria. And so I had someone the other day actually from this congregation was like, hey, so who's pastoring at Missio Phoenix? And I was like, oh, that's me and Anthony, this guy I co-pastor with, one of my best friends was in the room too. So I was like, it's me and Anthony. And she's like, oh wait, so what happened to Peoria? I'm like, oh, that's us. Also, I know it's weird. Uh, but yeah, we just relocated and we moved where we were gathering on Sundays to an area that's more central to where the heart of the mission was taking place anyway, amongst our missional communities where people were involved close to where Cultivate Coffee is, which I was telling you about earlier. And so we did that at the beginning of February of 2020. And then we were about to have like this kind of like, hey, welcome to the neighborhood type of housewarming party barbecue the week that everything got shut down because of COVID. And so that's been super interesting to kind of like have this new home that we haven't been in for a long time. But recently we've been going back to kind of exactly what you guys are doing, where it's like half of us about our gathering in person, the other half joining us online, and just trying to really do our best to fight through the awkwardness of that and to stay connected with one another one-on-one uh, -on -one throughout the week. And so I just want to encourage you guys in that as well. Continue to press into community and connecting with each other throughout the week, even if you don't see each other here in person. So I get the joy of being able to share with you uh, this afternoon, I almost said this morning, we meet at 10 a.m., this afternoon, about our identity as missionaries. And I know last week Kevin uh, kind of prepped that, and he was talking about uh, our identities in Christ and how that's given to us and going through the, the basics, the missio basics, and we're going to take some time to break down each of the identities over the weeks. I get to start that off with the identity of being a missionary. And I know that that word is packed full with all kinds of images that pop in your head as soon as I say it, right? As soon as I say, we have the identity of being a missionary, there's all kinds of pictures we get. Who's willing to share one? 
What do you think of when I say that word missionary? It's the same awkward silence I get in Phoenix. It's totally cool. I can roll with it. Anyone want to share out loud? What do you, what do you picture when you hear that word missionary? Moving somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. International, yeah. Going, glo- like being a global missionary, going across seas. Anything else? Language barriers, and what was the first one you said? Push pilots. Push pilots. Oh, I was like, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Bush pilots, yes, that makes a lot more sense. What's a push pilot? I don't know. It's the mask, you know, it's just, everything's muffled. <laughs> Bush pilots, language barriers, yeah. All kinds of, like, over there stuff, right? Not here stuff. Not tangible, present, here real life, everyday stuff, right? And the weird thing too about starting with the identity of missionary is usually when we think about being a missionary, we start automatically thinking of the doing stuff, right? We start thinking about what do we have to do to follow Jesus as a missionary? So usually like I like to start, I don't know, I think Kevin, every time I've heard him do it too, I like to start with our identity as a family because that's very much just about being you know, it, that's our first initial, like, yeah, you are now a son or a daughter of the Almighty God. The Father is the God of the universe, and he calls you his child. That's, that's who you are now, and that's a beautiful place to start, right? And then, like, eventually we'll work into it. And also, you're joining him on his mission, you're a missionary. And immediately, my mind goes to, so yeah, I got, I got a job to do, right? I got a role to play. But if we remember that our identity is not in what we do, it's in what Christ has already done for us, and now who we are because of that, that our being informs our doing. I want to talk about how missionary is your identity. It's who you are before it is what you do. And so a lot of times... We, we immediately, we look at this, we open up the word, we hear a call of something we're, we're supposed to respond to, and it's all about, this is what we got to do, we got to check this off our list. And I want us just to rest in the fact, to rest in the fact that our identity of being missionaries is already true, regardless of what you've done today. And it will be true regardless of what you do tomorrow. Does that mean that there's not a call, there's not a response to that? Like, you should live out in that identity? Of course, we are called to live in light of that. But we are not to carry this burden of, I have to perform so that that will be true of me, so I will be a missionary. So I just want to set the tone with that, set the premise with that, and I want us to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we're going to be reading verses 17 through 21. So 2 Corinthians, if you flip toward the end of your Bible, like grab like three quarters of it and flip that over, you're going to get past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. You're going to get past Acts and Romans. And and you're getting into the letters that the early, what we call apostles, people who saw Jesus And we're teaching others about Jesus and telling others about Jesus at the very start of Jesus' church. There are letters that they wrote to these small groups of believers. 
small communities of people learning how to follow Jesus in a world that knew nothing about that and was not about that. Small communities very much like this in very specific cities and specific contexts. And in this one letter to a church in Corinth, Paul's writing, this guy Paul, he's writing to this church and he's letting them know about the gospel, the good news. He's reminding them the good news that Jesus is the king over the whole world, that he has come to make all things right on this earth, and he is still at work to accomplish that. He will return one day, finally and fully, to make all things right. And he will do away with all brokenness and all sin and all shame and all death and pain and sickness and sorrow. And in the meantime, you have the spirit of God who Jesus started this work and will finish this work by, that same spirit to dwell within this community of people trying to follow Jesus. And so that's what he's been reminding them about. And he's reminding them, you have a future hope of Jesus returning one day. It's not always going to be like this. I know things are terrible right now. I, I know it's really hard right now, but it's not always going to be this way. You have a hope in the future. And in light of that, in light of there being a hope for the future, listen to what he says. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and see the new has come. Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is God's word. Let me pray. God, we ask that you would open up our hearts and our minds and our ears to receive your word, not just to hear it, not just to check this off of our list, check that box off for this week and say we did the thing, we went to church, but God, that we would be transformed by your word spoken to us, your message given to your people and your spirit at work within us, that we would become more and more like your perfect son, Jesus, that we would more and more rest in the truth of being reconciled to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I've been thinking a lot about uh, just how things have changed this year, and my kids are starting school tomorrow online, and we're trying to figure out how it's going to work with my wife having to manage the coffee shop every day, and I have a couple jobs I'm doing too, as Kevin mentioned. And then our kids are home and they're trying to figure out how to go to school on a computer at the table, right? And so it's just weird. And one of the things I was super bummed about is the sports that my kids were doing. My, my two oldest had played football this last year as fifth graders, flag football. And then they made the soccer team. And we bought them super expensive cleats, and they went to a bunch of practices, and then things got shut down before their first game, so they never got to actually play. And I couldn't return the cleats, so that was a major bummer. Uh, and I was just thinking about that because I'm, I have very fond memories of being in sports, 
as a youngster myself. When I was in high school, I was on the wrestling team. I was one of the captains of the wrestling team, and I started my freshman year, quickly fell in love with it, and then just, I, I, I grew so much during that season of life with discipline and things like that, uh, and it quickly became an identity for me. That's one of the things, I don't even know when like, people start going back to school, it's going to be a long time before people start wrestling again, because if you can't hang out with someone without a mask covering your face, you are not going to sweat all over each other, right, for a long time. And so on a dirty mat, and honestly, I don't know why we ever did it, but that's one thing that I just, it was, it was my life. My senior year in high school when I was wrestling, I would get up early, I'd get to school, I'd have to get all my brothers and my sister ready, and we'd drive 20 minutes to my school, and then, it sounds like like super old person back in my day, I'd go uphill both ways to get to school. But I would get there at 6 a.m. for 6 a.m. practices. And so my siblings hated me that I had to make them tag along for that. So I'd practice at 6 in the morning, shower, go to class. At my lunch break, I'd go run the track and I'd run two miles. And then I'd go and I'd mop the, because I had early release, I was done every day after lunch. I'd go mop the mats, and then I'd go hit the gym, and I'd work out, and then everybody else was out of class, so then we could actually have wrestling practice for two hours, and then I would go home and I would run again. Every day. I was killing myself. I would sit in the back of the classroom with an empty Gatorade bottle. I didn't drink the Gatorade because it's too many calories, but I would have an empty Gatorade bottle that I could spit in so that I could lose weight throughout the day to make sure I, I make the cut and I'm able to wrestle that afternoon. I would run with garbage bags on me so I'd sweat more. It was insane. I did really, really crazy things in order to be on that team and to excel at it. But it's because I was on a mission. Like from the moment I made that team, I was on a mission for me to be the best that I could be as a wrestler and for our team to do the best we can do. And in fact, even when I broke my hand and right before state and I couldn't go and wrestle and compete at state, I still showed up to every practice. I still worked on drills with the kid that was coming up from the JV to wrestle in my place. And I still was there cheering on the team every single time. And I was working out as much as I could still too so that when the cast came off for the next season, I'd be ready. Because even though circumstances changed, the mission hadn't changed for me. What I want us to see right now is that everybody, everybody in our world has some kind of mission that they're about. Something that's driving them, something that is compelling them and propelling them to do something. But all of that stems from some kind of story. It stems from something that tells them this is who you are and what you're about and what your life is about. And that is what's pushing and driving them to do the things they do, to live the way they live, to speak the way they speak to people, whether it's online or in person. And I think in 2020, we've seen a lot of that come to surface. It's been more and more evident what kind of missions people are on, right? And I don't mean missions like going overseas. I don't mean missions like uh, riding a bicycle with a white shirt and a tie and knocking on someone's door. I don't mean religious missions necessarily the way we would think of them. I mean every single person is at work driving for something. And so what I'd love to do is break us up into those same groups Kevin had you in earlier and just share with one another what are some of the ways you've seen people on mission in 2020 outside of the church? 
outside of what, like, the Jesus answer we want to give, right? What are some other ways you've seen people going, like, they're obviously on a mission for this. But here's a caveat. Here's the challenge. I want you to do it in a way that's not derogatory, that's not slamming other people, that's not going like, well, you know, those mask people or those non-mask people, this is what they're doing, right? And they're obviously about... No, no, no. Recognizing that all of us are driven on some kind of mission from a story, from a sense of identity, and that everybody is struggling to find and figure out what that identity is with compassion in our hearts. We're just surveying, not in a negative way, not in a condemning way, but we're surveying. Here's some ways I've seen people in our world being obviously on some kind of mission. And for extra credit, where does that mission come from? What story are they believing for that to be so passionate for them? Ready, go. I'm going to give you 30 seconds, by the way. Just kidding. I'll give you a few minutes. All right. Does anyone want to share maybe one? What are some ways you've seen people are like an obvious mission, something that is driving them and they're passionate about? Yeah, the elections. Yeah, yeah. If, if my particular party gets elected into office, then, you know, great. But if this other one happens, oh, man. Like, I, don't, I can't tell you how many elections I've lived through that I heard someone tell me, this is the most important election of our life, right? Like, every election is the most important election of our life uh, because there's so much fear behind what happens if the other party gets elected. And so there's a mission to get the right person, the right party in office, yeah. There's a story behind that, right? that they're believing. Maybe one more? All right, and it's a story of hope, by the way. It's a story of what you're putting your hope in. Remember, we, we said that Paul, in this letter in 2 Corinthians, was prefacing it with, here's your hope of what's coming in the future. This is what your story is. Your story is that God, even though we rebelled against him, has not given up on us. That he still loves his creation. He's still at work restoring it. And he has ultimately done that through the work of Jesus. That Jesus coming and taking on flesh and being one with us, being fully human, came and did exactly what we were called to do lived the way we were called to live, and took the penalty of us completely rebelling against that all upon himself. He was on a mission, completely on a mission to set things right, a mission that would cost him his life. And that in that power that he did that, he has now given us a mission as well. And so Paul's saying, remember this hope you have, but in verse 17 he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. So here's the hope you have, the story that you have, and it's a story of your identity. He starts with, this is who you are because of what Christ has done. You are a new creation. So everybody is trying to build that identity for themselves when we're in rebellion against the one who gives us that identity. Like everybody, we talk about our identities of being a family, of servant, missionaries, and we're learners, right? If you think about that, like everybody has a tribe they associate with. In high school, mine was, I was a wrestler. 
That was my tribe, right? Everybody is, is looking for that tribe to belong to, this sense of family. Everybody is in service to someone or something. Oftentimes it's ourselves, if we're honest. Everybody is on a mission as we just explored, something that they're driving after. And all of us are, are learning and being shaped by something. So this is just true of the whole world, but what's different, what's unique is when we believe the true story, when our eyes are opened to what is true of the world and we turn away from believing these lies, we no longer have to pursue and grab those identities for ourselves, but God gives them to us by his work. And that's freedom. That's freeing. And Paul's going, this is your identity. He says that before moving into, you have been given you have been given this ministry of reconciliation. So now you've been given a job, right? And he gives a, a word for that. He says, you are ambassadors in Christ. Does anyone know what an ambassador is? Better than me, because I had to look it up. An ambassador is someone who represents something or someone and, and in the context of like representing a nation, goes with the authority of what they're representing, right? And so what he's saying is, you now represent the kingdom of God going with the full authority of the spirit of God at work in you. That's incredible. And so you are now sent with this mission. That's all that word missionary means, by the way, is that you are a sent one. You're being sent out with a mission. Another high school story for you guys, when I was walking out of a geometry class one day, there was these four girls that always hung out together, they sat together, they talked all through class, they were super tight, and one of the girls always wore these like VeggieTales t-shirts, so I was like, oh, she's probably a churchgoer, I'm assuming, I don't know if anyone else watched VeggieTales if they didn't go to church during that time, half of you may not know what VeggieTales is, and that's totally okay, right? So, but uh, she seemed like she... She was probably a churchgoer, had some kind of Christian uh, affiliation. One day, I, was, I remember walking out of that class, and that girl was not there. She had been sick that day, and the other three girls were walking a little bit ahead of me, about as far as you are from me right now. And so they're walking, and I'm walking behind them, and I could overhear their conversation. And they're going, yeah, Lori's cool and all. And Lori is the girl who, the VeggieTales girl, right, who wasn't there. Lori's cool and all, but... Man, she's just always talking about Jesus. And like, I'm cool with Jesus. I go to church and all, but it's not my whole life. And I remember 15-year-old me walking behind them and then my heart just breaking for them. Because even then, I understood if you know who Jesus is, he is life. There is nothing outside of that. And I think far too often, and even, even me still today at times, what I try to do is I try to take this story of Jesus and add it into the mission of my life. I try to take the story of what Jesus has done, the work he's accomplished, and I go, okay, now help me accomplish my thing, right? And Jesus is not an accessory to our mission. Jesus is the king. And he sends us on his mission. So we, like Kanye, we got to move from singing Jesus walks with me to Jesus is king. I'm not saying I'm going to vote for him for president or anything, but that last album was really good. Right? Like, not, we're not inviting him to come and walk along our life and do our thing with us, but he is king over everything. 
And we get to be ambassadors of this great king. We get to join in the work that he has already done. And so Paul said, the work he's done is he has reconciled you to, Christ, to God. That means that Jesus, the king, that's what Christ means, the king, he has done work to bring you who were far away close to God again. You were far away because you rebelled against him. You were far away because he said, no, I'm on my own mission. Peace out. And Jesus came and he did his work, his mission, to bring you back. And because of that, this is what he says. Therefore, verse 20, we are. This is identity. Not we do. We are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. Isn't that incredible? That the God of all creation, the King of kings, his spirit at work through us, he is choosing to use you and I to give a message of reconciliation and hope and a future and life to those who are around us. That's your identity if you're in Jesus. There's no getting out of it. <laughs> and you don't have to perform for that identity to be true. But man, how good is it when you actually live in it and you embrace it? How good is that? Now listen, right now, we're in a crazy weird season of life where many of us are starting to think, yeah, but that's really hard for that to be true right now. Like, I, I like the idea we can say that that's true if I don't do anything because I can't do anything right now. I'm just staying at home and it's like, my neighbors don't even want to come out of their house, so how am I supposed to engage with them anyway? When I broke my arm on that wrestling team, it seemed like the mission would have changed, right? The circumstance changed. But I was still very much on a mission it just looked way different. Now that was for a stupid little wrestling team. That was for a crummy little medal that I got I can show you one day. It's packed away in a box somewhere in my garage. Things have changed. Circumstances have changed. It seems like maybe we've been crippled a little bit in some ways, but your identity of who you are has not changed, and the mission that we are called on has not changed. The mission is still the same. We just need to get creative in what that looks like now. And so for us, with Cultivate, as I was saying earlier, we don't get to get all of our youth together anymore and share a meal with them the way we used to. And I love that. I miss that. But the Lord has provided us some really sweet, deep conversations one-on-one. -on -one. The mission is still happening. For our missional communities at Missio de Phoenix, Many of them have not been able to engage with the retirement home that they were serving at or a local school that they were serving at in the same ways. They don't get to see people face-to-face -face anymore like they once had. But, but we're still fighting and contending for ways that we can love and serve our community. And so we were able to join in a food bank on site at our, where our church meets and join in and every Wednesday night, RMCs would take turns serving at this food bank, providing food to people who would come who didn't have food. So their Wednesday night MC dinner mealtime looked way different. It now had masks on. They were six feet apart from each other, outside the whole time, in the heat, serving a few people who came up and said, I need some food. It's not what they were used to. 
The mission was still the same, though, even though the context had changed. And so one last time, what I want to do is, is I want you to talk again in your groups. I'm going to give you two minutes for this one. One last time. What are some ways that God is calling us to continue on the same mission, but maybe in a slightly different, more unique, creative way? How is he calling us to, for this to look a little different now? Because the same God, the same spirit is calling you on the same mission. So two minutes. How does it look different in this season with the same mission of reconciliation to God through Jesus? Go. All right. Let's pull it back together. I apologize if I'm cutting your conversation short, but the good news is you can continue this conversation. And I encourage you to, especially if you're part of a missional community, continue that conversation. What does it look like in this season? It might be a little different, and that's totally okay. All right? Serving at a food bank isn't what our MCs covenanted to, committed to at the beginning of the year, and yet it's what the Spirit's doing right now. That's okay. Totally okay. Uh, I, I wanted to at least send you guys out in groups a couple times during this time because I was telling Kevin, I don't feel like a, a legit missio pastor if I'm not doodling something on the screen for you to look at, if I'm not doing a little drawing for you. And so to compensate, it's like break you up in groups. That's totally a missio thing. So we're good. We've, we've hit my quota now and I can wrap it up. Here's, thank you. Here's, here's what I want us to end with, what I want to leave off with. As we're talking about like, how do we live out this missionary identity? A lot of times when we get in our heads this picture of mission, we, we get a picture almost like military style, right? Like, I'm on a mission and nothing's going to stop me. It's like the, the person who's like, hey, I'm just speaking the truth to you. And like, you're making people cry. It's like, well, I'm just speaking the truth, you know? Like, I'm on a mission. It's like, well, that's not, that's not exactly what we're talking about in imitating what Christ is like on his mission, right? And the difference is what mission looks like with Christ, I'm just going to give you one word to remember, is solidarity. Solidarity meaning you are one with. Because what did Jesus do? Let's, uh, Paul wrote this. He said, we've been given this mission to plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, he made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That the creator of all things, the king of kings, stepped down from his throne and became human. Becoming one with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus, I love the Eugene Peterson message version. Jesus took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. He came down into this dirty, broken world. He faced everything you and I will ever face as far as temptation in this world goes. He battled it all. He became one with us so that we could be reconciled. You know what that means? To be one with God. To draw us into him. As followers of Jesus with this new identity of missionary, we don't move in to be someone's savior. We don't drop in to feed them or help them pay a bill and then pat ourselves on the back and go, you're welcome, and move out. We don't move in and say, here's good news. You need to hear my message because you're in need, but I got all the answers. But we recognize fellow 
humans made in the image of the same creator as we are also have something to give to us that we could actually learn from them and we move toward them in solidarity as one fellow human beings in community with one another loving one another eating with one another lord willing one day without masks right sharing a table together sharing life together with a message that you can share this with the king of kings with the message that you can feast with the god over all creation for eternity that's the kind of mission we are called into and so we're going to move into going to the table right now and remembering how jesus had that solidarity how he came to be one with us so that we could be one with god and the cost that that had for him it's going to cost us sometimes but we remember how Jesus paid the ultimate cost on our behalf and that we have his spirit as we go out and do that. And so I'm going to pray and then Kevin's going to come up and lead us through that. Father, we are